So as you're sipping on your coffee, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the discussion here soon. But Mark and I just wanted to share, even for us, why prayer uh, is such a delight or even how we became uh, or how we got to the spot we're in now where we uh, are, are loving this, this grace of prayer. For me, it was actually a very sp- specific season of life. Uh, I went on a missions trip with Salt Company. I led one of our um, student teams overseas to China, Wuhan, China. And, uh, and it was in that season of life where God really grew me in this grace. And uh, there was a handful of reasons. One, uh, being in China, if you're on transportation or wherever, I mean, you can't read anything, you can't understand anything. Uh, and so at some point, it's just like, well, I'm just sitting here in silence. I might as well just pray. And uh, so you get into like those type of rhythms. I'd start praying in the morning. I had brought some prayer books with me. So Keller's book on prayer that I think the author talks about in Habits of Grace uh, and another one. Um, so I'm reading about it. But then I, I got around some Chinese believers who uh, their delight in this grace blew me away. They, their whole mindset and everything was like pray first, do everything else second. I, I was a part of a full night prayer night. I mean, like through the night. No, I don't think they slept or whatever. We were just there for the first chunk of it. Uh, but prayer was such a culture amongst this, this church and these college students that we were around. So my relationship with with God like exploded in that season of life. And and I just remember thinking like this, this new habit of prayer that was growing in my life, I didn't want this to be a season of life. I wanted this to be the trajectory for the rest of my life. I remember thinking that coming back to the States. And so so for me, that was a, that was a game-changing moment for me and, and why I so delight in prayer. But I want, Mark, I want you to share a bit too why, why you so delight in this. Yeah, so mine is very similar to Jordan, but a little different. So I went on a summer trip as well with Salt, and I saw lots of people praying. And sitting on a bus, you have nothing else to do. You can't talk to anyone. So it's like, okay, I can learn to pray. I can grow in that. And I actually really loved and desired that. But Jordan, okay, he was praying much more during that time overseas, learning that. For me, it was a struggle because it's like, wow, everyone else on my team is doing that. But this is really a a challenge for me. And so it was really when I came back to America, it's like, okay, I saw, saw God working. A lot of it was really just through the prayers answered of other people. So then I just spent a lot of concentrated time saying, God, I don't want that just to be a two-month time of my life, that I want this to actually be transformative. So I was just a little lagging, Jordan, in that. But really, God changed my prayer life. And just seeing that it's not just something that happens overseas because, I mean, it's true. You can't understand. You can't talk to people. So you should be praying. But really, there's no difference than I was writing the side-ride bus to campus, why can't I be praying on the way in there, just like I would have on going to a college campus in East Asia. So for me, it was learning that all these things that we did overseas are just as applicable to prayer living in America. Yep, so I'd love for you guys uh, to start our morning to just even answer this question. Why do you pray? And it doesn't have to be, oh, I took a trip overseas or anything like that, but but why do you pray? Answer that prayer or that question, uh, and then answer the question, what do you pray about? So if you get before the Lord, what are some of those things that you find yourself praying about uh, over and over? Um, and if for you, you're like, yep, don't pray. Yeah, that's great. Share that. And we're going to talk about that this whole morning. So uh, in your guys' group, let's give you a little bit of time and uh, then we'll come back together. Okay. Thanks everyone for discussing there. And we're going to get back to some similar questions looking at our prayer life as we go forward. So Hopefully, you're able to continue that conversation right where you're at. Right now, I'd like us to look at the why pray. So what's the why behind we're praying here? We just talked a little bit about that within our groups. And so 
For some of you, it may be simply as the Bible commands it. 1 Timothy 2.1, among other passages, just instructs us that you should be praying, that you should be interceding for other people. So that's not a bad reason that if the Bible commands us to it, that's something we should be considering and looking to do. But just like with any child, you hope as they mature, as they grow, they're going to gain a deeper understanding of whatever their parent told them. So you may say to your child, hey, go do this. And when they're three or four, you're just hoping that they go do it. They don't necessarily ask the why behind everything because they can't understand. But as they're growing up, you want them to understand why they don't just run out in the road because they could get hurt. But for the first day, they just need to know that they're supposed to listen to you. They're supposed to follow. And so that's maybe where prayer starts for some of you. And I hope that as you're discussing with each of you, you're gaining a better understanding of more of what that why is because we all see different aspects of God as we pray and I want us to all just be sharpened by one another. So one quote that really stood out to me in Habits of Grace and I'll read it here. The great purpose of prayer is to come humbly, expectantly, and because of Jesus boldly into the conscious presence of God to relate with him, to talk with him, and ultimately enjoy him as our great treasure. And I don't think those things are specifically growing and building one into the other, but somewhat they do, that we need to start off coming humbly before God. Prayer is a good thing for us because it helps align our hearts, our minds with what God is, that we are expressing our dependence on him merely by praying, that he's the one that gives us life, that he is the one that provides for us. And then as we transition into expectantly, that we're recognizing that God is good, that we're not just treating him like, a God that doesn't care because that's defaming his character. He loves and he wants to provide for those that are his children. So we expectantly come. And then ultimately what we've been learning in Hebrews is because of Jesus that we boldly come before him, that we have access, that we have a right to stand before him, that though we came in humbly on our knees, that we're a child of God, that we can stand in his presence, that we can desire to be with him, to relate with him, to know him as a God. We're not a religion that Our God is so wholly other that we just do these things and hope that will get us salvation. We just do these things and we hope that God will answer our prayer. No, we have confidence because of Jesus Christ. And that's something that I hope you cling to and that you grow in the why is that we do this is because of Jesus Christ. And that leads to another quote that I'm not going to have up here. Um, And I think this goes for some of people that struggle with um, prayer. It's not yours. Um, So... It's uh, on page 97 in the book if you want to look it up. But our having God's ear is as sure as our having God's son. So it's not for the seasoned prayer warrior that God is going to listen to, that that person has God's ear, and you just have to hope that God just hears your meager words. God loves and cares for all of his children. He wants to relate with you. He wants to hear from you. So don't just put off of, I don't have the theological training. I don't have 30 years of practice that someone else does. But you should be pouring out your heart to God in prayer because just as assured your salvation is today, that's how assured you are that God is going to hear your prayer because you are his child. And so that's the why behind the prayer that because of Jesus' life that we do have direct access to God, that we can come to his presence. Yeah, if I were to add maybe a couple things to that, for me, um, a handful of things is, uh, it is communion with our Father. It's a relationship. So to, and I think the author does a good job reminding us, I think, of that as well. 
it's a relationship with our Father, so it's an opportunity to commune with our Heavenly Father. I, I also believe, why do I pray? I believe prayer causes things to happen. Um, I think that's a pretty big theology for a lot of us to have. Um, if you don't believe prayer causes things to happen, then intercessory prayer is, you don't do it, I guess. Um, but I believe that prayer causes things to happen. And then the other thing, which is so simple but beautiful, is because Jesus did. If Boy, if the Son of God is going to commune with his Father, how much more should we be? And I, I ripped this quote off of Curtis C. Mitchell. He said, Christ's disciples did not need to be told that prayer was important. They saw how important it was to their Lord. So I, I think, and you see it throughout the Gospels, Jesus spending time with his Father, whether with his disciples or uh, like he would recede and pull away and spend time with his Father. Um, and then the last little thing I'd say before we jump on to the next portion, uh, I was talking to Laura Benson, who's going to be speaking tomorrow with uh, my wife Casey on this. Um, but she said something I thought was really good, and I, and I want to like have this as one of maybe our lead foot as we go into prayer, is uh, I think oftentimes people will think of um, their guilt and deficiency when it comes to prayer, or they like the language of, oh, I just don't pray enough, and, and I don't do this enough. And it's like the ultimate Christian answer of, how can you grow? Well, I, ca- I could really be praying more right now. <laughs> you know, It's like the answer that people give. Uh, I, I would say don't focus on your deficiency or, or that guilt-driven motivation, but uh, rather focus on the beauty of the gift. Like we have an opportunity to commune with our Father because of what Jesus has done for us. So, so I, I'd encourage you as we go into this prayer talk, think positively towards that and not like, a negative motivation of, oh, I, I just never do this, or I feel guilty because I don't do this, but it's, it's an opportunity. Um, I want to use that kind of language. So, all right, so in the book, he, he talks about praying in the closet. Um, I mean, very simply, he stole this from Jesus, uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 8, verse 6, and in the middle of that, uh, as he's, Jesus is talking about how to pray, he says, but when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, the context of that whole, if you want to get the context of that whole uh, passage, I actually taught on this in our Spiritual Delight series back in January or whenever that was, so you can go back and listen to that sermon. Um, But I just want to say, for me, guys, this was a game changer for me. When I flipped the switch of private prayer and getting in my closet, so to speak, uh, and spending time with my Father, getting up early in the morning, getting on my knees, Boy, private prayer is a sweet opportunity to commune with your father. Again, Jesus did this all the time where he would recede away, kind of pull away and spend time just him and his father. Um, And I I thought this quote was really helpful from Habits of Grace. Uh, He says, few things are as worthy of your attention and investment as the privilege and power of private prayer. I thought that was really good. Page 105. Few things are as worthy of your attention and investment as the privilege and power of private prayer. Um, This is something, again, I've grown a lot, I've I've read a lot on, and really delighted in. Uh, I'd love to get very practical for us this morning, um, and even just answer some of those questions of, like, when is the best time for you to have private prayer? Uh, and, And I might use some of this language uh, interchangeably a little bit, but even just like structured prayer throughout like day to day, week to week, uh, or scheduled prayer, I think might be some of the language he uses. Uh, when is the best time? Uh, I'd say guys, hands down what I've found, uh, in, in godly men in my life who consistently and constantly pray for them. The answer is the same early in the morning. It's early in the morning. And Ian Bounds, uh, I love Ian Bounds. Anything by Ian Bounds on prayer is, is money. But uh, here's a couple quotes. 
He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity and freshness in other pursuits than seeking God will make poor headway, seeking him the rest of the day. So starting your morning on that trajectory of, of time with the Lord. But uh, here's, here's maybe another one. More time and early hours for prayer would act like magic to revive and invigorate many a decayed spiritual life. Uh, uh, again, I, I love Bounds. I love his language, but but I I think what he's saying in this is to start your day with the Father, uh, and and we talk about Scripture and in in Bible reading and and how do you kind of pair that with prayer? I think either or both and in the morning, uh, I think both are relevant. But again, men who have shaped me in my life in my walk with Jesus, I would probably say pretty much all of them, uh, especially the the men that pray. Uh, found this time in the morning. I remember Joel Vent telling me the last quiet time I ever have, he's like, is early in the morning. He's like, especially when you have kids, that last quiet, like quiet, true quiet time I have in any given day is early in the morning. Uh, and I, I'll never forget that. And and I just remember, guys, and some of you guys know my dad, he, he spoke at a thing like this not too long ago. My dad modeled this so well. When I was when I woke up in the morning and and was going to to class or school or whatever, when I woke up and I was like walking to the bathroom, I could see my dad with all of his Bibles open and like commentaries and all that stuff like and just and he was head down and he was spending time with the Lord. And I and I knew in my head that he had probably already even prayed before that and spent time with the Lord. Um, I remember being on vacation last year uh, in the in the Ozarks, and I just I like happened to walk by my dad's room, and the door was kind of open, and you know he was in in the room. I guess the door wasn't shut, but he was on his knees. Um, my dad's sixty years old with bad knees, and he don't he don't care. Like he's just he's on his knees, and and it's a good reminder for you dads out there. Your kids are watching. I guarantee your kids are watching. I remember those things from my dad, and they've shaped me more than he realizes. Uh, some, sometimes things are more often caught than taught, if that makes sense. So uh, I get it. Getting up early is hard. I remember Paul Sabino saying that the discipline of getting up early has nothing to do with getting up early, but going to bed earlier. <laughs> and uh, and I agree with that. For for some people, this doesn't work because of work. I know guys like Lance DeWine, Nick Nuss can't be here this morning because they work early in the morning. And so you got to be creative. But I've, I've just found that rhythm and habit to be really helpful, whether you're in God's word and or praying that early morning uh, really is a sweet spot for many. So uh, the question now becomes, okay, so what do I pray about? I'm up early in the morning, Jordan. It's 6 a.m. You know, I'm, I'm on my knees. Now what? What do I pray about? Uh, and this, is, again, is when I, I, I like to use some of that language of structured prayer. Um, I know myself and I know my mind. I like to, my mind likes to wander. I'm not always sure what to pray about, or at least I wasn't prior to learning some of these things. Um, but for me, again, I talked about it in the Spiritual Delight Sermon, but, but for me, even praying through things like the Lord's Prayer, uh, <laughs> the disciples literally asked Jesus, what should we pray about? How should we pray? And his answer was the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so I'll, I'll pray through, like, the, I love it. It's beautiful, and, and, and it kind of even goes with some of the structure of, of the book, the author's book, but, um, but you start off talking about, like, 
your father who art in heaven, and you get to spend time musing on who your father is, thanking him for who he is, adoration, that whole thing. And then it, it moves from like God-driven prayer to man-centered prayer. Give us uh, prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. I use that opportunity to pray through my day. Uh, whatever meetings I have, whatever I have going on that day, I like to pray through my day, uh, asking for forgiveness, lead me not into temptation, lead me not into pride, sexual immorality, those type of things. Um, so like I use the Lord's prayer as a structure and springboard for my own like personal prayer. And it it's there's some consistency, but it also changes day to day. Uh, I also pray through the armor of God. I, I memorized Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 or whatever. Uh, and so putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, um, and almost like praying those things on is kind of cheesy maybe as that sounds. It's, it's really helpful. Like, Lord, help me put on the breastplate of righteousness. Keep me sexually pure in my life and my walk and, and, and those type of things. Um, so... So you can grab like chunks of scripture and use that as springboard towards your prayer. And then the other thing I do is I, I have a uh, prayer cards and I want Mark to talk, speak into this a bit too, cause he does something similar, but I, I have categories of prayer cards, um, where it's like my family. Um, I have, uh, people in my discipleship group or my connection group. I prefer the nations, those type of things. Um, and I, I have people's prayer requests. I ask whether people are talking about their lives and I quick write it down or I ask them specifically for their prayer request. I'll write those things down. Uh, and then after I kind of walk through the Lord's prayer armor of God, while I'm on my knees, I just, I sit there on my knees with like looking at my prayer cards and I'll, I'll pray for our elders. I'll, I'll pray for Cody and, and whatever's on his list. And then for Jake, what's on his list. And, and I kind of just move through those things. And, uh, and so that if I have structured prayer in the morning, that's kind of what it looks like for me, but you do something similar. So I'd love to get your thoughts on, on maybe your structured prayer. Yeah, so Jordan has influenced this as well, interesting, but I am actually very anti, not anti-structured prayer, but I really struggle with it because like when Jordan talks about it, I think he does a great job going through the Lord's Prayer, going through the armor of God, and it not becoming formulaic. But for me, it's a really a struggle with that, so I kind of push back against having structure because I, for me, it's like, how is the Spirit working my life? I feel like I'm just doing this because... As an engineer, I have a list and I have to check it off. So for me, I just have always pushed back against that. But when I became an elder, I'm like, wow, there's so many things I should be praying for. It's hard to keep track and just remember what I should be praying for. So I did develop some form of a structure to go with, and that is Monday through Friday, I have a category of something I should be praying for. It's not going to be specific requests, but so on Monday, I pray for my marriage and for my family. On Tuesdays, I pray for the connection group. On Wednesday, I pray for the elders and then for Candeo Church. Then on Thursday, I pray for our church plants and then also our international efforts. And then on Friday, I pray for the community ministries that we have in the Cedar Valley. And I'll show you the connection to each day and how that helps me remember it and it also frees me up just to be praying. So Monday, there's no specific connection. Just start the week praying for my wife and praying for my family. But Tuesday, that was the night of connection group. So it was really easy for me, oh, I should be praying for these people. So if I'm at work, and so yeah, you wanna be praying in the morning, but sometimes like if I got an early morning meeting, don't have time for that, but if I have 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, what day is today? Tuesday, I can be praying for these types of people and always be remembering that. Then Wednesday, we have an elder meeting on Wednesday morning, so it just reminds me, okay, start the day, like we gotta be praying for the elders, praying for the people in our church. So that's an easy thing to remind myself if I'm in the middle of Wednesday and it's like, oh, I didn't just miss the time in the morning, I don't have my prayer cards with me, I just know generally what I'm gonna be praying for. And then Thursday, 
the church plants, the international work. So in my mind, I tie that salt meets on Thursday nights, and we're about planting next generational churches. So it's just easy for me to remember to pray for the church plants. And because I spent so much time overseas, I'm going to naturally think about international church planting as well when I think about that. And then Friday is the day. So I pray for the community ministries, and that's the day that I volunteered at Orchard Hill Elementary School. So it's just really easy. Oh, I'm going to the elementary school, okay, I can be praying for that. I can be remembering to do these things. Um, I can be praying for the students that I've mentored now or in the past. Um, and then other structured prayer, um, you can't do this for everyone, but uh, one of my uh, Chinese host students that uh, we were really good friends with, I told him that the story of the woman at the well, and he was really impacted by living water. And so we were just talking, and I was like, hey, whenever I go fill my water bottle at work, I'm going to be praying for you. And I don't remember every single day, but it's something that it stuck with me. I've prayed with him, prayed for him for two years for that now, whereas if I didn't have a structure of just some task that just reminds me of it, I would probably have forgotten about him long ago. But instead, like God has used that to keep him on my mind. So just even simple things that you have a task that you do every day, just pick a person to pray for it, and you'll probably forget a lot of times, but other days God's going to bring them to your mind. Good. Yeah. In the last couple nuggets, I'd say before we kind of move on to the next section here, uh, one, men uh, or husbands, uh, I'd pray for your wives every day. Um, if I'm in the car and I have limited time to pray, I want to, uh, I try to pray through the Lord's prayer, pray through my day, and I pray for Casey and, and her day and everything that's going on. Men, pray for your wives. Uh, the other thing I would say is men, pray with your wives. Uh, the rhythm and structure that uh, Casey and I have is uh, every night right before we go to bed as we're laying in bed, one of us will pray, and our prayer structure is we literally just like walk through our days uh, or that day that just happened and thank God for everything that happened in the day. So it helps you get in a rhythm also of, of thankfulness, which I think is really good. Um, and, you know, you kind of go into branches of other things and praying for friends and all these different things as things happen throughout the day. But I think that's another really healthy rhythm. All right, so, so that's structured. Um, I, I think there's some language in here, guys, that hopefully you kind of pick up on the rest of your life, that if you're meeting with somebody, you could write this stuff on a napkin. And, and as Jake was unpacking God's word, that breadth and depth, I think those are helpful categories. And I think structured or scheduled, however you want to think about that, and then spontaneous prayer. I think having those categories in mind are, are really helpful. Uh, I, I, love, I love simple and clear with things like this. So uh, when we talk about spontaneous prayer, our lives should be a constant conversation with the Lord. Our prayer life should not start and end in the morning, if, if that's uh, our, our kind of structured prayer. We should delight in having his ear all day long. So, again, what does this look like? I always want to get practical if I can. Uh, I would encourage you guys to pray at work. And not obviously what, I mean, or any moment, honestly. There, there could be any time throughout your workday that could be opportunity for you to redeem time to pray and spend time with the Father. Uh, moments of downtime or, or when you're working. And the classic example of this is Brother Lawrence. Uh, there's, a, there's a book out there, The Practice, uh, The Presence of God. I got a slide at the end that's got that on there. But uh, I read this one. And, and Brother Lawrence... Um, uh, he actually worked in the kitchen, but uh, so impacted those around him that this book was written about this guy. It's incredible. But, but check, out, check out his quote here. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. 
and in the noise and clatter of my kitchen while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. I think it's really cool. What he's saying in there is even while I'm working, I have opportunities to commune with my father. It's not like I just, I go into my blessed sacrament in like my closet in the morning and then I'm away from God the rest of the day. It's the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. You have opportunity and access to God throughout your entire day. So I would say to redeem those uh, moments uh, throughout your work day. But I would also say this, master the art of praying during transitions. Okay, so as you're driving to work, as you're in between meetings, as you're going to the bathroom, we've given you plenty of things to do in the bathroom, but um, maybe as you're walking to the bathroom, I don't care. Um, uh, master the art of praying during transitions. Um, and, and like you said, I, I thought that was really good. To, to me, if I have early morning meetings, like this morning, coming here early, didn't have time to get on my knees in prayer this morning. Um, if I don't get that in... Uh, at least I have that window of driving, right? I, I can at least redeem that time. There's a lot of power in turning the radio off. I'm telling you guys that. Um, but at least this morning, I got to spend a little bit of time talking to God and praying for my day, praying for this time together with you guys. So master the art of praying during transitions. Uh, when someone or something comes to mind that might and probably is a nudge from the Holy Spirit, pray for it. Pray for them. Uh, so this past weekend I was, uh, at a continuing education course. I'm keeping up my physical therapy license for now. And, um, so I'm at this course and <clears throat> there's times when you're treating the patient. There's times when you're just like laying on the table, getting treated. And, uh, yesterday, uh, it, was, it went through Sunday. And so I'm on the table and I look over at the clock and I'm like, oh, Candeo's happening right now. And there's just like, that was the thought that popped into my head. And so I said, okay, while I'm sitting here getting treated, doing nothing, I'm going to stop and pray for Candeo. I'm going to pray for Michael, who I knew was pre uh, who was preaching. And, and I actually stopped and prayed for Cottage Grove also. Casey went to Cottage Grove that, that morning, Cottage, uh, Cottage Grove in um, Des Moines. So uh, that was what came to my mind. So I stopped in that moment. I just I prayed. And when you have uh, family or friends or whatever, whenever those pop into your mind, I think Paul says that like throughout the epistles is whenever you come to my mind, I pray for you. Whenever I think of you, I pray for you. I think that's a great habit to get into. Um, that's likely a nudge from uh, the Holy Spirit. So, uh, and then the last thing I would say, uh, praying for others when they share something that's going on in their lives. So if you're talking to somebody and, uh, and they sh share like, hey, this is this is something that just happened, or, or they text you and say, hey, just to let you know, this just happened. Uh, my grandpa just got diagnosed with cancer, whatever. Uh, stop and pray for the person in that moment. It's, I'm telling you guys, if I were to stop and say, uh, oh, I'll be praying for you, I like never make that commitment, not because not of a bad heart. I just forget. I, like, I keep going in my day, and I forget these things. So what I can commit to is let me stop and pray for you. And when you get that text, uh, I text right back, and my text, I could almost like copy and paste it. It's like, I'm stopping to pray for you right now. That's the commitment that I know I can make every time, and I'll stop in that moment. And I'll, I'll stop and I'll pray for that person. Um, uh, there's a lot of power in uh, if you're at church and somebody says something like, okay, like stop, put your hand on their shoulder and say, can I pray for you? Pray for them. Uh, I remember being at Faith Baptist Church, my hometown church, and um, I was there with my brother, Sean. I can't, we were both there um, uh, we, he lives in Ames, so it was weird that we were both there. But a gal that morning had shared um, a, a pretty big part of her life and, and some trials that she was walking through. Uh, it was just part of the service and was kind of giving her testimony, and that's a smaller church. 
And the, the service got over, and we're, we're just kind of standing there. And uh, Sean, who, Sean, my younger brother, has challenged me so much in the best of ways in my prayer life. He goes, uh, he goes I'm going to go pray for that woman. You want to come with me? I'm going to go pray for her. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, wow. That didn't even cross my mind that I should, like, go up and pray for this gal. And Sean invited me into that. And, again, there's more often it's caught than taught sometimes. I just watched my brothers be sensitive to a need in the room and say, let's go pray for that person. And that's just not always my first thought. Uh, and with that being said, there's this quote, um, again, courtesy Mitchell. This is really good. I love this. We ought to be so programmed that all during the day, as the needs arise, prayer is given right on the spot. So often we slug through the problems of the day, and only rare, rarely, as a last resort, do we cry out to God in prayer. Prayer ought to be the first resort. I just I think there's uh, something beautiful in there. So uh, that would be my kind of my last thing. If something if someone shares something or you hear something, go and stop and pray for them. There's a lot of power in that. So a lot of opportunities to commune with God throughout the day spontaneously, um, and I'm just I guess encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. Would you share anything else with spontaneous prayer? Um, just the one thing. So like going off of the Lord's prayer that Jordan is praying, like lead me not into temptation. Well, a lot of times we can end up be praying lead me not into temptation, but spontaneously. Prayer is actually the application of how you're not led in temptation. So you could be struggling to have a conversation and gossip about someone. Actually, you can just stop and pray for them. You could become, I mean, I easily become frustrated because I like to fix everything. And so instead of just talking out how to correct and fix everything, the way not to fall into temptation is to stop and pray for it. So that's just something I really think that I need to continue growing in, but I think that's just all of us that spontaneously is not just, oh, I heard someone's sick, I'll pray for them, but you just even look at the, the challenges of your own heart, you can just stop and pray, and God can use that. That's good. Um, so I actually want to, I'm going to stop right here. Uh, we're going to stop right now. And uh, give you guys a little bit of time to talk at your tables. If you want to continue that conversation you were having as you're giving kind of the state of the union of, of your prayer life. Uh, but just even answer this question as you're continuing to talk about this is what my current prayer life looks like. As you think of those two categories, structured or scheduled and spontaneous, what does, what does that look like in your life? Even if you've never thought of those two categories before reading these chapters, uh, what does structured prayer look like? What does spontaneous prayer look like? And even start to differentiate that in your own language as you're talking about your prayer life. So just talk about those things. Is there one maybe you do more, one maybe you do less or whatever, um, one that's kind of your go-to? Uh, talk about those things. want to give you some time at your table, and then we'll come back together and, uh, and kind of finish up the second half. Yes. Yeah, sorry, Cody. Your two minutes are up. Okay. Cody's happy with that now. So It's grace in your life, Cody. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're going to be moving forward into corporate prayer, so praying together about things. And so I'm just going to start us off with a quote from the book on page 115. Plain and simple, the best way to learn to pray is pray with others who have had their prayers shaped by the scriptures. And I'm going to give just an example of something that has nothing to do with prayer and how that actually plays out. So my wife and I recently became foster parents, and a few months ago we got our first placement. And He's coming into our home, and at first, he's just trying to figure out what does it mean to live with us? How do you live as someone in the Jackson household? And so he's kind of reserved. He's just doing what he sees us do because he thinks that's kind of what he's supposed to do. He's two, and he's just trying to, to live with us and understand. So if I, at dinner, took a drink of milk, 
what does he do? He picks up his cup and he takes a drink of milk. And so that's good. He needed to stay hydrated, so that was a good application of following. Other times, I mean, he didn't know that he didn't actually need to do what he was doing. So I'm trying to teach him and show him how to brush his teeth. So I'm modeling it, brushing my teeth, and I'm too tall for him, so I get down on my knees to brush my teeth. What does he do? He gets down on his knees to brush his teeth. And so I hope that is not all of our attitude towards prayer is just copying exactly what we see someone else doing because that could be dangerous. If someone's life is not shaped by the scriptures that, um, honestly, my prayer life was a lot shaped by people that are far more charismatic than I am in their theology. And so if I allowed all of that theology to come into how I formed my prayer life, I would pray very different. I would have gone down a different path. So just recognizing there's a lot of good things that people are showing you and modeling you, but you need it to be shaped by scripture. So um, two things coming off of this. First, there's a time that we're learning about the form and function of prayer together that you're just seeing and you're trying to replicate. That as you're learning about our Heavenly Father and what it means to be part of his household, that you're just doing what others are modeling. And I just hope over time that that's not all it is, is that, oh, these people use these words, so i got to have the right words. i got to do it at the right length, and then I need to have the right posture, so like eyes closed, hands together, whatever it is. And then over time, more of your energy is just devoted to having the right heart in that. So it's not coming up with the right words, but you're like, God, I just want to have the right heart before you. I want to be humble. I want to be expectant, like that original quote was. And then... It takes time and experience in doing this. And then I just hope that you all become comfortable enough that when you're praying with others, it's not a consideration of we go around the table, we all have our one prayer, and we, this is subconsciously, but we, we want our prayer to be meaningful. And so we want to not just embarrass ourselves. That was me. I'm like, I don't want to pray in front of others because I'm just going to embarrass myself. Um, and so you just have your one saved up prayer. And you're like, okay, I got it out. I'm done. Check out. I really liked in the book where he's like, be brief. Limit the share time so you just kind of know what's going on. And just to me, if it was just 30-second prayers around, everyone can participate in that. So someone that's prayed for 30 years could have pray for 30 seconds. Someone else that's just new, they pray for 30 seconds. Maybe they do it one or two times. Maybe do it for a minute or two. But just something that everyone is obtainable that they can grasp onto. And the second, and going back to that quote, so in our household, how is a foster child in our home supposed to know how to live there? The best thing to do is someone who has spent time in the Jackson household. So he's going to look to us. So because we know how to live, we know what the rules are, even though we haven't told him all of them, he can just watch and follow us. So if you're looking to grow in your prayer life, just look for someone that spent time in God's presence, that spent many years in God's household as the people of God. That's how you're going to learn how to pray because they have seen what others have modeled for them, and they are now modeling it for you as well. And so what are some practical things that we can do to participate in corporate prayer at Candeo? So one is just get together with somebody in your connection group. Greg Brown and I, a couple years back, once a month, we would just go to McDonald's. We'd ask each other simple questions about each other's life, maybe two, three minutes of sharing there, and then just pray for five or ten minutes on that topic. And then stop praying, and it's, okay, what about this area of your life? How's that going? Share for a couple minutes, and then go back into prayer. And so in the book, he said, have an end date. We didn't pick an end date, and it ended, but, like, it just, things like that are going to happen, that... 
I'm always going to push back on too much structure because my whole life is very structured. So, but other people, maybe your life is not structured, and you really do need to have that structured time with that. Another way that's been great, you have the 1002 shirts all around church. I mean, that's not completely corporate, but we're all praying together that churches will be planted. So some days, maybe you're around others at that time, and you're praying together. Other times, it's um, individual prayer. A way that I would love all of you in this room, there wouldn't be enough room for this, and Cody's laughing because he probably knows, I would like you guys to join us in the union at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We have people to get together that pray for the services, and not just pray for the worship service for Candeo kids, but also praying for the activities going on this week. So yesterday we were praying for family week as we're going. So we're going to be praying for Drew. We're going to be praying for whoever's going to be leading that. These are things that we can come together, and it's a lot easier to remember it through the week if you did it together with people because you're like, oh, I have actually prayed for some of these things. So, Jordan, is there anything else you'd like to add to it? Uh, nope. I agree with all that. I'd okay. love, <laughs> love to see you there at 8 a.m. It's a great time. Uh, corporate prayer. It's awesome. Yep. Yeah, and I'll just tell you that that is... I don't know if it's a love language, if that's even a real thing, but it's the thing I'm probably most encouraged by is other people praying together. Um, it just, I don't know, I am very encouraged by that. Love languages are a real thing, my wife would tell yeah. you that. That's the first time I've ever made one up, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. It's a good sixth love language. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll kind of work through these last couple fairly briefly and then one last time to, for you guys yeah. to talk at tables. So. Okay, so fasting. The one thing that stood out to me in the book is, and when you fast. That's from Matthew 6, which if you know, Jordan had already said from there, and when you pray. And so the only difference in there in the Greek is just the grammar structure. It's the same phrase. Jesus Christ is assuming and expecting that we fast, just like he's assuming and expecting that we pray. So a simple question for you. Have you ever fasted before? If the answer is no, it's kind of on you to prove why you shouldn't be fasting because the scriptures assumes yes. Um, if it is yes, I want you to think back. What was the situation when you first began to fast? Did you learn anything about yourself? Did you learn anything about God? For me, back to this salt summer, this was very impactful in my life because um, if you remember from when I taught on Colossians 4, my prayer life was not in the greatest shape at that time. I really struggled to pray. And this is where we're going to see how these connect together. My team decided they wanted to fast, and you can fast over many different things, and this is far more spiritual than it's going to sound, but my team decided they wanted to fast over whether or not we should take a vacation uh, to go sightseeing next week or a month later. And it was really because the, who were we supposed to be sharing the gospel with and all of that, that was what was playing into it. And so we're going around, we're praying and fasting, and I didn't get off on the right foot on this one either because at the end of it, we come back together why I answered first, I should have just told them, don't ask me. But they asked me, I answered, and I was like, well, I didn't even want to go on this in the first place, but I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And then they go around the rest of the team. They're like, no, I don't think God's leading us to do that. And the next person, no, I don't think God's leading us to do that. And so I was just really shaken by that. I'm like, how am I even hearing God if I'm praying and fasting and that's what I get back is the opposite of everyone else. So really when you're fasting, it, it may be a struggle to hear right away. It just, I feel like sometimes we easily give up. If it's not just this one-hit wonder that we just did it and it was this life-changing experience, we're not going to do it again. And if you look through this Bible, it's a lot of perseverance. That's what it was for the Hebrews. That's what it was for the people of God. I mean, they waited 400 years for Jesus Christ after the last prophecy. So, I mean, you're just, there's a lot of waiting in this Christian life. 
And thankfully for me, that's not where it ended at. Um, I got back to America, and I decided to fast, starting off with, God, everyone else seems to get this. What am I missing out on? Please just help me. And then maturing through that um, uh, a couple months later. So I was fasting one day a week at that time. And then a couple months later, it was, hey, God, now that I've tasted of you, now that I've seen how good you are, like just help me to continue desiring that, to hunger for that, that I'm not hungering for things of this world, but I'm hungering for you. And then this continued on for about two years, fasting one or two days a week where I would eventually be fasting for my friends that I'd met that summer, but then also fasting for all the people that I was going to share the gospel with when I went back overseas. That was just really something that God took and shaped my life, that it's really easy for all of us in here. We're more likely to skip a meal that feeds our spirit than we are to skip a meal that feeds our body, that it's just something that we do, that we're all, we're scheduled in our meals, we're going to have those, but we're not necessarily as scheduled in our spiritual feeding. And that's why fasting for me, it just ties a lot of that together, that you need guidance. That's what the book is showing, that people sought guide for guidance in um, fasting, for humility, that God is going to get, that God would deliver them. And there's an element of mourning in all of the Old Testament references to fasting, that we are mourning something that we lack, that if you're fasting, you're really kind of mourning that you can't deliver yourself from the struggle, that I hope that we'd be like the Ninevites, that when we see sin in our life, that we are going to mourn it. We want to put that to death and allow God to work through us. So that would be what I'd hope that would motivate you to fast, not, oh, I heard a talk on fasting for two minutes, and okay, I'm going to give up a meal today and move on with my life, but really that It'd be the cadence of your life, whether or not you're fasting from food or whatever. Like in the book, it says that you're just essentially, if you're not praying along with it, you're just giving it up and you're becoming an, an angry person. And so just really, I want us to see how all these habits of grace are tied together, that your study of the word leads into what you pray. What you pray leads into your study of the word. Fasting leads this. They all help sharpen and grow one, each other. Yeah, the, the only nugget I'd say for fasting is I, I remember Paul Sabino telling me, like, uh, <laughs> don't just go hungry over the lunch hour. And he said in the book, without a purpose and plan, it's not Christian fasting. It's just going hungry. All right. So uh, if you're going to fast over the lunch hour, pray over the lunch hour, have a plan for that time. Don't just go hungry and be this angry, irritable person. Uh, I thought that was really helpful. So um, last little bit here, Uh, silence and solitude. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, very briefly, this is like against everything in our American culture, right? Uh, but uh, the, that idea of whether it's mornings, getting away for a day, Jesus did this all the time, Matthew 14, 23, went out by himself in the mountains to commune with the Father. We've already talked about these things. But uh, I just encourage some kind of rhythms, whether it's uh, day-to-day, week-to-week, uh, monthly or yearly, uh, get away, go to big woods, get get out to a cabin or, or but again, even just in your closet, all these things are silence and solitude. So I'd, I'd encourage some kind of rhythm. Uh, and then and then with that, he talks about journaling in there too. Um, this isn't something that I'm like super great at. It's actually something I'm wanting to grow in. I got a black notebook right now that I'm now starting to just even write down what God's teaching me in his word. That's like my step. And so as I'm reading through the book of Matthew, I'm just taking some notes down. And uh, I, I loved his thing. Don't catch up. This is powerful to me. I'm a perfectionist. Um, he said the great encouragement uh, is that like the best of lifelong journals are incomplete in some way. And so uh, if it's like, oh, shoot, I missed a day or I, I missed writing down for that passage. I need to go back. It's like just 
keep going, keep moving, grace upon grace, right? And uh, I thought for silent solitude journaling, those were a couple of nuggets. Do you have anything outside of that? Well, so I didn't actually realize I did any journaling for the longest time because I have very limited number of feelings. I'm all right or not all right is how I describe it. <laughs> and so what well, a habit I had was I would read whatever I read in the Bible. So say as a chapter, a couple chapters. So I'd write one verse from whatever I read, and then I'd write a couple sentence prayer, and then I'd just write a little bit more on how that impacted me. So uh, just going from this, I'd hope that we take some time you say silence and solitude, but I just really want us to slow down and actually process through what we're hearing. Because you can take notes on it, but we don't have time to process that because we're just moving on to the next thing. And I think what was impactful for me as I was preparing for this, I reminded myself, I was like, wow, I have years worth of these journals that I'm never going to read again. But when you open them up, you're like, wow, I haven't come along as far as I thought. I had actually uh, had followed God pretty well back then. I wish I had grown more. But uh, the thing that was just impactful in the last week was I was like, okay, evangelism was like, why don't I do that? Like, what should it be about? Like, why is that lacking in me right now? And because I think I took that time to write down, like, why it was lacking in me right now, the next day at work I had a conversation where someone was essentially uh, a Catholic uh, universalist or Unitarian where he's just talking to me about all these things. And I'm like, I could have easily just gone, uh, I disagree a little bit and just like move on, walk away and not say anything, but just taking the time to have a five, 10 minute conversation and actually express my beliefs. And I think God used that me sitting down and writing down why I was avoiding those conversations, why I wasn't having those really spurred me to have that conversation the next day. Yeah. That's really good. So uh, kind of my last words of maybe exhortation for last uh, time together in a table group. Uh, my hope in all of this guys is that prayer would just be, become a part of your everyday life. And uh, Richard Foster, Foster talks about like to breathe is to pray for like hopefully the person who's deeply walking with Jesus. You're just, it's not like this check off thing. It's, oh, I'm just constantly communicating with the Lord. That all being said, we've thrown a lot of information your way, the book, all these things. And you're like, I, I don't pray like a minute on any given day. Uh, I thought this quote from Foster was was helpful, uh, so we'll we'll kind of end on this uh, before our last discussion question. But he says this seems intimidating, all these things about prayer, but it's important to remember that God always meets us where we are, and slowly moves us along into deeper things. I think of uh, just like like Judah at the pool, like I think of a, a pool that starts shallow and gets deeper and deeper, and like Jake or Sarah like taking Judah by the hand and just like one step at a time like deeper into the water, if that makes sense. And I, I believe that's really true, that God meets us where we're at, and he slowly takes us into deeper things. When I first started praying private prayer, I, like, this is four or five years ago. I mean, I had a stopwatch. Like, I had a five-minute stopwatch, and once I'd get on my knees and I'd pray and I'd look up, and I saw that I had a minute and 37 seconds, and I'm like, what the heck else do I pray about? You know, it's something like back down and... Well, that was where I started. You know, we always start somewhere, and then, like, God slowly moves us into deeper things. So, in light of all of this, um, just quickly at your tables with the time we got left, uh, we'll bring us back together here in a bit. Uh, in what ways do you desire to grow and delight with prayer and having God's ear? So, kind of finish up with maybe some quick hitter applications, some, like, maybe a nugget or two. You're like, oh, that was really helpful. I think this will be helpful in my walk with Christ. Um, so, share those things briefly at your table. All right, so the last slide I'll put up here is, uh, 
I, I just threw some book recommendations up here. Um, if you're looking for a place to start that, that book by Keller, just called Prayer, it's pretty easy to Google. Um, that's a helpful starting place, and uh, Keller does a great job of standing on the shoulder, uh, shoulders of giants like Martin Luther and Calvin and how they prayed, and so I think that one's really good. Uh, all these are, are great. The Complete Works of Ian Bounds, if you want to dive deep into the deep end and, uh, and be really challenged and punched at the, punch in the face occasionally, it's, uh, it's a good one. I, I love Bounds stuff. So any other books? Those are mine. Okay. They're all good. Um, Guys, our, our greatest encouragement in all of it, again, this isn't the, the class where you walk away and say, gosh, I just don't pray at all, and again, that guilt, and this is how much I don't pray, but can we just see it as an opportunity to commune with our Father and say, this is, this is a, a, a habit of grace that God's given us. What an opportunity we have. So, um, Mark, you want to uh, close us in prayer? I think it would be a fitting yeah. thing to do. So. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a chance just to, to talk about prayer, God, that we would, as we were discussing prayer, that we're thinking, God, how, how can we delight more in this? How can we desire to be in your presence, God, that we all start somewhere and we're all going towards the, the same goal is really to communion with you forever in eternity, God, that our eyes will become more fixed upon the age to come, God, that we'll be more fixed upon our lasting, enduring possession, God, that their relationship with you can never be taken away. God, I thank you that you desire and you delight to hear us, God, that we would be conformed into the image of Christ by the way that we pray, God, that our passion overflows, that we're not the most excited about a sporting event in our life, God. We're not the most excited about even our work and our job, God, but instead that we delight in meeting with you, God, that we long and we desire that to happen, God. I just pray that that's true of my own life, God, that it's not just an up and a down, that it's something that happened in the past and maybe it'll happen again in the future, God, but it's something that's consistent, that as we talk about these things, that we long to be with you, that we long to know you more, God, and that this would become a habit, God, that it's not a one-week habit of prayer, a one-week habit of being a lifelong learner, a one-week habit of reading the Bible, God, but instead these are things that build upon one another, that they go together, and that through this we would be presented mature in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys.